Welcome to Critical Ditto, the Pokemon role-playing podcast where the stocks are way up. We're doing, we're doing really, we're in the black, guys. <gasps> good. We've had a good quarter. And, black uh, stocks matter. And, and, on. <laughs> the only recession-proof industry in the world, Pokemon <laughs> Podcast. And here we are in the boardroom to my left, uh, our chief executive officer, Alistair Hill. CEO, God, I'm doing you're really above, well for you're myself. You're above me. I don't right. know why I'm starting the meeting. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking the minutes. Stuart, shut up, shut up and take the minutes while I tell you all about my character, Kenneth Mullet. <laughs> Kenneth Mullet is an empathetic and kind-hearted man with a little bit of a haunted backstory where he's trying to find out more about his weird dark powers. Uh, on his side, I'd like to buy and sell some Pokemon, and the ones that I've bought and not sold have been Bowtie the Dartrix, Moustache the Magikarp, Hoops the Salandit, Fedora the Honchcrow, and, new member of the team, Swirly the Spiritomb. I'm now going to pass us over to our regional sales manager. <laughs> why, why are they here, Ali? Why is the why? regional sales why? manager here? I don't know why we're here in this meeting. I see the glass ceiling still exists for us homosexuals, but that's fine. Um, thank you, CEO, for, for inviting me to this vitally important meeting about Critical Ditto. I am regional sales manager David Leavesley, playing the regional... King's Rock Searcher Theo, the former church member with a love of orthodoxy and an incredible battle streak in at least this season, and that's all that matters. On my team, <laughs> we have the lovely Meditite, we have Cabbage the Kabuto, Hillary the Swaddle. No, the Hillary's the Swadloon, lest we forget all that character development that we put in. A barbarical. Jason the Combi, and we have got the R&B soul sensation that is Togekiss, and that is Theo's team. And now I'm going to pass over to the CFO, the criminally fashionable objective officer, <laughs> Tom Dale. Yeah, we've called you regional sales manager here, David, because, uh, yeah, big promotion, actually. You've come up to executive member of the board. Well done. <laughs> Great, well amazing. Done. Let me tell you who else is on the board. On the board is my character, Brandy. Uh, and she is the ex-cheerleader of the Pokemon champion from Surfloat Town on a mission to become the Pokemon champion in her own right. And another member of the board are all her Pokemon, which is Wimpy, the Baneri, Gary, the Skaroopy, Snorleoni, the Munchlax, a Bunnelby, and finally, possibly, possibly new member to the team, Meltan, with a monocle. I'd like to hand back, I suppose, to the person who's holding us all at gunpoint in this meeting, Stuart Clark, the burglar. Well, you know, this company's known for aggressive takeovers, and I thought the most aggressive takeover I could do is to get in here and steal. And the thing I want to steal are the minutes for the last meeting. Because I just want to find out what happened last time. Previously on Critical Ditto. We find ourselves in the lower sanctum of the church train car aboard the Nidorian Express, in a large metallic diving bell type structure in the middle of the room. The Malamar just fires a dark pulse. Brandy, you take two harm. You start to feel the train car wobble. The train car is airborne and it seems like Team Nautilus are behind it. How do we protect the book? We need a psychic Pokemon. I'm sure you won't mind doing the ritual with that slowpoke over there. Wimpy Paneri decides to pound on the chain to release Meltan. Flies back towards the diving bell, shatters the glass window on the front. You see something start to emerge. I really, really, really need the slowpoke. And you see Kanan clutching the slowpoke. They can't go through with this. They can't harm this sacred Pokemon. And just at the moment that Mrs. W completes this ritual, 
Kanan throws away the slowpoke. The train car has been teleported onto the deck of the Team Nautilus capital ship. Kenny, you see emerge a spirit who. Kenneth Mullet, prove me wrong. Give me your best shot. As a spiritoon starts to dissipate, you see a shadow of the moment that spiritoon was bound to the tome, the figure who seemed to be doing that binding. It's an older version of yourself. The egg starts to break open, and inside is a tiny baby spiritoon. You see Eliza start to crest the bow of the ship. Give me back. My tome. Aliza felt a hard shove in her back, and her hands and knees connected with the stone floor of her cell. The floor was slick with seawater that had leaked through the holes in the deck above, causing her to slide across the harsh surface. She winced in pain against the salty seawater that entered the many cuts and gashes littered on her limbs. Aliza turned back to see the Nautilus grunt, who had forcibly hurled her back into her cell, strolling away with pace, clearly desperate to return to the celebration that was happening on deck. Aliza could hear the raucous shanty from above, punctuated with stamps and shouts. Oh, the seas may froth like a basculin, but we will never fear. For we all got drunk on backed up gin and a big tankard of beer. Captured a girl who could chase the wind, so let me hear you cheer. Keep your cannons, we got hurricanes, we'll blow them up your rear. Kyoga, guide our rider, shoot a whalemer and take its blubber. Thrive on danger and lawlessness, you can't take shanks with your lust. Aliza huddled in the corner of her stark cell, sitting in a puddle that she hoped was rainwater, despite the stench of alcohol. She tried to block out the singing above. They so enjoyed her misery, so reveled in her pain. She had spent hours on that deck, attempting to summon the slightest tailwind, whilst grunts and their Pokémon had pelted her from all directions with bottles and rotten provisions. The most she had managed was a gust, but it had been enough to satisfy the captain of the ship for now. Tomorrow, more would be asked of her. She shuddered at the thought. Rough day, Eliza jumped with a start, as a voice echoed from the other side of her cell. As her eyes adjusted to the gloom, she could make out a figure standing over her not two metres away. She could have sworn she was alone. Who in the name of Sloking are you? The figure was silent. Why are you in my cell? Eliza attempted courage, but her voice wavered. The figure moved towards Eliza with deliberate intensity. Flop. Flop, flop. Small amounts of evening sun cast down from the planks above and illuminated the mysterious interloper. Eliza first saw the figure's feet, flip-flops and a desperately pale skin. As her gaze moved upwards, she was confronted with a sarong, a popped collar, waistcoat, and finally yellow and black eyes nestled amongst a head of shocking white hair. A crowbat sat delicately on her shoulder. The woman crouched down and took Eliza by the chin. Eliza couldn't help but look directly into her eyes. She felt like they were boring into her very soul. You are different, aren't you? The figure said in a wispy voice. Eliza felt her eyes well. She was tired, scared, and in pain. Her mouth stammered but formed no words. Sea spray and tears fell down her cheeks. How long have you known? The figure continued. Since... Since I was a girl, Eliza managed to rasp. Would you like to punish the people who hurt you? Those eyes kept boring into Eliza. She took sharp, 
short breaths amidst stifled sobs. Would you like to take back control? Elisa's eyes darted up towards the thundering footsteps of the revelers above her. A spilled beverage sloshed down through the cracks, soaking her hair. Elisa looked back at the figure. She nodded weakly. Good. Who... who are you? You can call me Frey. Be strong for me, Elisa. How do you know my name? Elisa gasped. She felt like she'd been mac-punched by a hitmonchan. She looked down at her chest and could see the left hand of Frey was now oily black and embedded in her body. Frey twisted her arm as if turning a klefki in a lock. Aliza wailed as the pain overtook her and thrust her into unconsciousness. Aliza felt freezing water on her face and gasped. She opened her eyes. She was on the deck of the Team Nautilus ship. The evening had become night, but the party persisted. Before her, on a crude podium erected above the deck, stood the captain of the ship. Weathered naval uniform draped around his shoulders, thick frame teetering from inebriation. A grunt stood beside him, with a now empty bucket of ice water and a wicked grin. Weather witch, give us some cloud cover. It's mucking freezing out here. The self-titled King of the Sea slurred at Elisa. His putrid breath carried on the sea breeze. Elisa, drenched, shivered. But I'm guessing you already know that. Was that a bit of a chilly wake-up? Cackled the grunt gleefully. Elisa's head started pounding, her vision blurred. She felt as if she might either hurl or run a marathon. She gripped her hair and ground her teeth as the headache worsened. Hot rage began to boil in her veins. Cloud cover? She gnashed at the captain, who swayed, looking quizzically at his prisoner. Her eyes were a pure white. Sudden fear pierced his alcohol-soaked brain just long enough to realise his mistake. How's this? Elisa waved her arms and summoned a thick black thundercloud in seconds. The cumulus coalesced directly overhead before unleashing a thunderous lightning bolt which conducted through the helpless captain and exploded into the deck of the ship. Boom! Grunts, Pokémon and casks of ale were tossed like ragdolls across the deck. Where once the captain had stood, only blackened wood and blazing flames remained. Elisa had never felt such power, nor such a fragile grip on her own sanity. She was terrified, but a part of her she couldn't control urged her to continue. This was her ship now. The ice water grunt cowered before her, limply hiding behind his empty bucket. He scrambled backwards, but was stopped by the blazing fire already spreading across the deck. What are you doing? He pleaded. Elisa replied in a voice she didn't even recognize as her own. Taking back control. What I'd love to start with is just to frame this battle arena that we are entering into and for each of us to give an aspect to build this Team Nautilus ship out a little bit. Because right now, it's an epic, cool pirate ship with a giant floating octillery on top of it and a stone floor below. Both equally whimsical and fantastical. <laughs> but on this deck that we're on, what fun aspects are there? I mean, David, what is, what is, what is interesting about the steering wheel? on the Team Nautilus ship. Do you mean the helm? Is it just called a helm? The spiky, I mean, spiky I, wheel I thing. I understood all references here, and if <laughs> language's point is not to make points clear, then, then what, is, what is the point of the English language? That's what I have to say to us all. The interesting thing, it is, it is clear, at least to us, if not to the people on that boat, that the steering wheel of the Team Nautilus ship is controlled by poker powers. Ooh. 
So none can steer it. There's not so much sort of spokes for the control of hands, but kind of grooves for the placement of two hands of a poker-powered person. Right. uh, Okay, Tom. What strange weather-based device takes up a significant portion of the stern is that the front this is, this or the is, back this is, this is how oh, no, we, you're this the one who told we, me about this is, this is when we all reveal that we know s- nothing about <laughs> just, say, just say say front or back and where, then I'll, where and then did the insert. iceberg hit come on guys this is why google exists the stern is the back or aftmost part of the ship it's the back of the ship oh i don't like that i want it to be the front okay so <laughs> it's then, the bow then say is it the bow the, the pr- prow the, the pr- <laughs> it's bow so it's the okay, prow so, can you ask me? No, bow. <laughs> ask, ask me again. Okay. Tom, what weather-based device takes up a significant portion of the bow? On the bow is, of course, a figurehead. This sort of hangover from the old Team Nautilus is that of a pre-marina, but very bejeweled. But this has now since been modified. What it has now is it actually has a lightning rod attached to the top, almost like a unicorn pre-marina. And you notice that in the sort of storm that's taking place, lots of lightning is actually hitting the lightning rod and going through the ship as if powering it. Cool, so it's sort of powered by lightning and wind and all the sort of weather elements combined. The octillery gives it the height, but the direction and the forward momentum is from this weather contraption. So does does it have jet thrusters on the side? It does indeed have jet thrusters on the side. Oh, yeah. Ali, Hmm. tell me about the weaponry on this deck. There are several barrels with different weapons sort of within them. You've got sort of hand-to-hand cutlasses in the shape of like a scyther arm. Green down one end and then sort of nice and sharp down the other end. Sorry, could you... Um, How sharp was it, Ali? Sort of sapum. Sapum sharp. Lovely. Sapum, yeah. Common Japanese phrase. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) For some of the more sort of long-ranging weapons, they're quills from Decidueye that they use to sort of fire their spirit shackle arrows. Is there is there just some naked Decidueye somewhere? <laughs> no, no, no. These po- these don't, Pokemon are don't not look at me. <laughs> don't look at me. I'm hideous. <laughs> they took it for their crossbows, <laughs> and now I'm a naked bird. On the port side are the the swords, and on the starboard side are the arrows. Uh, here's my Love aspect. It that I'm adding, um, the floor of the deck, taking up a good portion, is this cool glass ball thing that you can walk on, which has like a map of Formia and a compass in it. And it tips and it turns and it twists with the direction that the ship is going. It's the Mass Effect world map, but a glass ball in the middle of the ship. Right, here we go. Let's destroy the thing we just built. Kenny, your compatriots are just rising to their feet, but you have seen this first. You have seen the Mega Gyarados approach. You have seen Elisa rise from the clouds, from the rain, from the lightning, and stare down you, the boy who has her tome. She connects with you vocally, mentally, and seems hell-bent on getting that thing off of you. It looks like Mega Gyarados is going in for some kind of rampant attack. What do you, Kenny, do? He's going to try to just... um sort of put some distance between himself 
and the others in order to give them a bit of time. So I'm going to try to dive out of the way, I guess. So if there's an attack coming of... in, you're just dodging at this at this very moment. Yeah. I don't I don't see how me on my own with my Pokemon can defeat this monstrous Mega Gyarados. Okay. So Kenny is going to try to sort of stall. So let's say let's say the Mega Gyarados is readying some kind of hydro pump. That's what it looks like. The mouth of this monstrous Gyarados is agape. And it rears back. You see Elisa, who is perched on the head of the Mega Gyarados, disappear for a second as its neck writhes towards the dark, cloudy sky. This ball of water frothing within its jaws. It seems like it's going to shoot you. Kenny, please roll plus cool to act under pressure. All right, then. It's a three and a one, so that is a big old fail. Oh, no. Uh, Just the time when I wanted it. What, we're starting with a fail? Mm. Starting with a fail. Mark experience. I've marked it. Oi. Well, there we go. That's something. (laughs) I'm I'm kind of annoyed as well because this hydro pump was going at you, Kenny. It wasn't even going at a Pokemon. Uh, No. No, it wasn't. I guess you're going to have to take some harm, I'm afraid. Um, I think I am. I think you are. I think you're going to have to take two harm straight off the bat. I mean, how powerful is it? Would it be enough to... Is it? Am I in danger of being blasted off the side of the ship? Knocked off the ship? Oh, maybe. Knocked off the ship? That's kind of fun. So what, it just blasts you to the side of the ship and you're hanging on by your fingernails? Yeah. Yeah, love it. Love it. Thanks, Ali. (laughs) (laughs) Kenny, you are struck by the majesty and enormity of this Mega Gyarados. It's a Pokemon unlike anything you've ever seen. It's power unable to comprehend. And it's that split second of hesitation that is your downfall in this moment. You realise just a second too late that this attack is coming and it's coming straight for you. You do your best to dodge, to do something, but in that moment, you're not dark-powered, Kenny. You're not superhuman, Kenny. You're just a boy from a farm with a passing a knowledge of botany. Looking at a Gyarados, <laughs> looking for love. <laughs> and rather than love, you get a significant torrent of water smashing oh, into your midriff. <laughs> It's It overtakes you, Kenny, and in that second, it's like you're in a tsunami. You are in this wall of water being pushed. You can feel the damage done to your internal organs almost instantly as the pressure hits you. And within seconds, your feet catch on the railing on the side of the ship. And you are flipped over backwards, covered in water, choking for your breath and clinging on by your very fingernails. You glance down, Kenny, and see yourself flying almost a thousand meters in the air. The Nidorient Express and the storm-hit wasteland of the landscape below you looking incredibly small. Have I held on to the tome? Yes. Can we say that I could have saved myself, but I was so determined to hold on to the tome that I've got that in one arm and then I'm clinging on with the Ooh, other. Okay, so yes. So you're, you're clinging on fairly safely and then you feel the tome about to go out of your pocket and you grab on and suddenly you're only holding on with one hand yeah. and you've got the tome yeah. in the other hand. Yeah, that's nice. And the lightning flashes. Dramatic. Brandy, you are just coming to from an incredibly painful experience. You've regained consciousness. But you're still very hurt. There's still blood caking a lot of your pink hair. Uh, but you are up. You are standing. And you've just seen Kenny hit by this ridiculous hydro pump blast. Uh, Elisa, 
and Hagaridos seem to be rounding on this hapless boy, now clinging by his very fingertips to the side of the Team Nautilus ship. What do you do? Uh, so I guess in a sort of blurry haze, I take the potion that Kenny has put into my hand to relieve me of one harm. I'm still ticked on the unstable, because you need medical attention to go from unstable back to stable, but I am back to three damage, so I've still got a few. I've got a bit more to play with, uh, even though it's all a blur. Uh, so is Kenny sort of right next to me? Uh, well, he's been, he blasted he's been blasted really far away. He's been blasted, yeah, a few metres towards the side of the ship, so he's not immediately beside you anymore. Okay, this isn't good. Has the train car come with us, or were we teleported No, it's mainly out? just the internals of the train car, so some artefacts, okay, so some, some of crates. The, some of the artefacts? Yes. Great, great. Would you permit there to be an artefact that is shaped like some form of megaphone, like a big cone? Of course I can, if you can tell me why it's there. Well... In ancient Formia, before they <laughs> understood about slowpoke transmitters, they actually had to do it from the Tower of Cone calling. They just shouted. And they just would shout from just tower to tower. Southlake, have you heard? We've got a new book. Guys, what? Uh, about cone bees? Did you mean this tower or any of the other ones? No, no, you're all right, Bill. Bill. Oh, sorry. Oh, I, again. I love you. What? What? Remember, it's fajitas on Tuesday. This is Pyronile. Sorry to jump in. Heard you. Heard you over there. Pyranol, mate, it's not for you! No, 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 no. That's why the slowpoke took over pretty soon after. But okay, it's a pinecone cone because pineco uh, sounds a lot like cone and the guy in charge of creating the cone was t- given the task of coming up with a pun and he panicked, okay? He went out the night before <laughs> and he was like, oh God, what can I do? He saw a pineco. Was that guy's name Tom Dale? It was, it was actually. <laughs> he's in Formia. He's the, he's the lead pun expert. He was actually paid a lot of poker dollars. Skip I me. think... 10 per diem points, I think he was paid Whoa. to come up with a pun. I, I don't think he's worth that if you come up with pineco. <laughs> pineco cone? <laughs> if you put an N on the end of pineco and that was him worth 10 per diem points, then we're being fooled. Maybe the secret power of Tom Dale doing this is the fact that because they're actually a human, they know what a pinecone is, which Pokemon World doesn't know. So they just saw <laughs> it and they just went, I've got cones. a pun here. Even though pineco is in itself wordplay, they were like, what if I just expanded it back into the original <laughs> word? But yes... I kind of forgot what I wanted to do with the pineco cone, but I've now got it. So <laughs> you got I it. Suppose, I suppose what Randy tears do... open this crate, like dives through the sorting, the packing peanuts, hoping to find a blade, a weapon, some kind of hook to help. And what do you find? You find a cone. Brandy remembers her cheerleading days. So she takes the pineco cone and she's going to try and make contact with Elisa. And she's going to say, Oi! Oi! Oi, I'm, I'm down here! I feel like that sentence will be etched into Brandy's grave, won't it? Oi, you! Oi, you! I'm down here! (laughs) I'm trying to distract because my fear is that the Mega Gyarados is going to knock Kenny off the edge of the the boat. That's a fair fear. So uh, I'm going to try and force Elisa to look at me. I think that's that's a manipulate someone. Roll plus charm, please, Brandy. Brandy is plus one in charm. Five plus two plus one, eight. A mixed success. So you get Elisa's attention. Brandy says, no storm can drown me out. Not even your one. <laughs> Brandy, you raise your voice into the Pineco Code and shout as loudly as you can against the wind and the rain and everything that is pounding around you. Unfortunately, it seems like in this moment, the Mega Gyarados is slightly too far away and it seems to be still rounding on Kenneth. But in that moment, you feel the Pineco Code snatched from your hand. 
and you look down and you see Wimpy the Baneeri has grabbed the megaphone and is running off across the deck as fast as his little legs will carry him to get to the very side of the ship, get onto the, the railings that Kenny is clinging to, and is going to shout, from there, which does get the Megagyarados' attention and turn it away from Kenny, but now that Megagyarados is rounding on the small bunny shouting at it, not five or so six metres to the side. So in Baneeri language it was... <laughs> Oi, you! It's me, the Baneri. Pick on someone your own size, stupid dragon. I've taken down dragons before. Well, Believe it. Well, you're you're clearly not my size. You're you're a tiny tiny rabbit. Yes, it's me, <laughs> Megagardus. What up? Sort of like a posh bro. <laughs> posh Gary smokes. So listen, don't, don't bring my don't bring my upbringing to this. I've, I've got <laughs> I've got here on my own back. I didn't use I didn't use mummy or daddy's money. It's like mega gyra don't. More like more like a mega gyra don't. I've got puns as well. All right. Well, also proving that I'm, my mind is bigger than yours. How, yeah. How about I just How about I just eat you? How's that? How about I put my put my large teeth around you and make you mush? Uh, Theo. Yeah. So the rain is hitting you. It's woken you back up. There's still a cut in your shoulder yeah. from the bit of shrapnel that had been flying around within the train car not minutes before. But you see the scene unfolding. The Mega Gyarados very quickly enters your understanding and your range of vision. And you see it coming back towards the ship, looking like it's going to crunch down on Wimpy the Baneeri. You see Kenny hanging off the side of the ship. And those are the immediate things that strike your attention. What do you do? Theo's brain goes to a couple of different places in order that are trying to define what to do first. First is seeing this mega Gyarados that from from a great deal of education, Theo is aware is quite a pertinent threat at this moment in time. Solving many of the other problems on this ship are probably not going to, to fix many things if there is a mega Gyarados knocking around. But I think Theo is also torn then between two other things. Well, actually, there's three. One is seeing Kanan unconscious and Theo's just like, I'm not even going to bother with you at this moment in time. Like, you have done something terrible and I don't much care. I'm not going to bother with anything to do with the church. The church was kind of a problem earlier when the church was going to destroy this tome. At this moment in time, Nautilus is the problem. So one side, we've got Melissa and Teronius Chunder. And to Theo, it's like, well, Teronius Chunder is quite a useful hostage to have in this situation. But more important than doing the reckless, silly thing that an arc ago Theo might have done, which would be to to go over there and try and pull off some sort of crazy madcap scheme involving Tyronius right now, uh, I think Theo's first desire is to help their friend, Kenny. Um, so if I may kind of suggest like a, a split move, I think Theo is going to send out Togekiss to take on Mega Gyarados. It's, a, it's the shrewdest move on the team. But I think we've also established that Theo doesn't really command Togekiss. So I feel like it's kind of like a, you go do what you need to do. I'm going to go rescue Kenny. Okay. Why don't we, could you, why don't we just tie them all together? Okay. We, okay. You're going to do a kicks and frostless roll okay. for Togekiss. But the, yep. the result of that is also going to determine what happens with your Kenny escape attempt. Sounds like a high stakes roll there. Yep. All on the line. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so... I just want to cut to five minutes from now where Brandy, Kenny, Theo, all clinging onto the side of the ship as we're about to fall off. 
Hey, you're probably wondering how we got here. Yes! Boy, you we see, had a day. That's me. <laughs> so you're rolling plus Togekiss special? Okay, so 2d6 plus 3, which is Togekiss's special attack, is... Oh, this is going to go so horrible. I'm so terrified to roll this dice. I've never been Come so on. terrified. Colin, it would be be- very impossible for you to roll. <sighs> oh, my word. Oh, right, that is... Tom, you really tried tried. Mid-sentence, Tom. Mid-sentence. So, so there we rolled a two and a two plus Togekiss's three. Okay. Special attack. So for a seven, a mixed success. Seven is. So we're going to deal damage to each other. Okay. So it's using fairy wind. So attempting to counter this hurricane gale that's going on around them with some kind of fairy gust of its own. As soon as the Mega Gyarados sees this Togekiss flying, it just flicks out with an aqua tail as a reactionary move. So let's work out how much damage was done. I think Mega Gyarados is also stage three. So they're both stage three, which is plus three. It is not higher than Mega Gyarados, so no bonus there. But it is using a super effective move against Mega Gyarados, so plus one. So it's plus four, and then you roll your d4 to find out how much damage you're doing. D4. I rolled a one. So the Gyarados is three, uh, not not super effective. So it's three plus whatever I roll. Six. Well. Ooh, Togekiss is seven armor. Okay, so you see this fairy wind connect with the Gyarados. It definitely does some damage. Some of that fairy sparkles penetrates the scales around the left side of the Mega Gyarados. But this Aqua Tail definitely does more damage to the Togekiss, sending your R&B superstar, Togekiss, flying off into some part of the maelstrom, temporarily out of sight. Meanwhile, you are desperately trying to pull Kenny up from the side of the railings. Can we get some foley on that? Come on! Come on, Kenny! I'm going to get you on the storm. For the love of Slowking, just try. I'm grabbing you with my cloud hands. My cloud hands. (laughs) Come on. No, Come on. Back, cloud. Back. Sorry, I'm just kicking you. Why is everything a threat? Why is everything a challenge? (laughs) Oh, it's gravity. I'm the side of the ship. I've got splinters. Oh, into your hands. Oh, Oh, I really want to let go because of the splinters. But then Mr. Cloud will get me. And then I'll probably die from the fall. Theo, you got to save me. I am trying very hard. Please. (laughs) So this is a mixed success. Um... So I guess you do get you do get Kenny off the side of the ship, uh, but it's but I suppose there's a cost to you, Theo. Theo falls off the side of the ship. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Just> keeps going. <laughs> okay, Theo, you are desperately clinging to Kenny, and with an enormous strain, you manage to pull this hapless boy off the side of the Team Nautilus ship, and you end up lying in a pile uh, beneath the railings. The tome is with you, Kenny. But as the pair of you look up, you see that Theo, in your disinclination to attend to your mentor, Kanan, uh, Mrs. W has seen a chance and has leapt over, grabbed Kanan, and is now holding Kanan across her chest with the wrist-mounted flame device that she had used to so punish Hillary, now trained on Kanan. And she just screams out over the storm, Hand over the tome, Theo. Losing two mentors in one day would be careless, no? But Theo, in most situations, would have like a hilarious quip for this situation. But I think Theo is just so 
tired. People have died today. All I want is for just nothing bad to happen for approximately 30 minutes. And I just think Theo just can't say anything. Theo has just stood there with Kenny in just complete silence. Theo can't contemplate why nobody here can understand that there is a mega Gyarados on the other side of this boat that is going to kill them all if people just stop fighting with each other. And yet somehow here we are. And Mrs. W, who has been nothing but infuriating this entire time, is making this even more complicated again. And so... I think Theo sends out Kabuto to grab the gun off Mrs. W before she can fire it. Grab that gun. If you hurt her in the process, I really don't care. I really just don't care anymore. I genuinely thought you were going to say, and Theo's just had enough and just jumps off the side. Okay, great. This is definitely a roll. So yeah. maybe it's Kabuto create an advantage. So if we could roll Kabuto's so speed. speed. Okay, so 2d6 plus 1. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> no, no, Theo got no. a four, a one, so and that's... a one. Here's the thing: I had a long track of not really getting any of any fails. We are doing. I think we now, a few. thank so God, just... it happened in the finale that time what... where the stakes are low. <laughs> so I'm now on three experience. <laughs> what, uh, did you, uh, what did you roll? Just so we could clarify for everyone, I got a four plus a one plus a one, which is a six. That is a six. That is a fail. Kabuto has failed. <sighs> Theo's collapse into becoming the new villain continues apace oh gosh but thank god this didn't happen against the mr rhyme <laughs> thank <laughs> god. can you imagine if that oh, deliver got priorities. hit in? can you imagine so theo as kabuto rushes out following the order that you have given them to knock this strange fiery wrist device that mrs w has out of their possession mrs w is so onto you is so aware she is adrenaline fueled. Her senses are heightened in this moment. And she sees Kabuto coming a mile away, even in the rain that is pouring down. And she adjusts with a flick of her wrist the aim of her fiery wrist rocket and fires this horrendous fiery bolt at Kabuto, instantly fainting them. And Kabuto just skids across the wet decking, smoking slightly as the rain sizzles them out almost as quickly as they were lit on fire. Theo, this is not a game. The tome is in danger. And if you are not with the church, you are against us, and I will take all actions necessary to eliminate you and secure or destroy the tome. It's not personal. And Mrs. W starts walking towards you, still with Kanan. Uh, she's just dragging Kanan alongside her. Theo, listen, you know how this works. You are a church member. You were a church member. Why are you with this boy? He has tome. He has church artifact. And we need to recover it. Give me the tome, or I will eliminate the boy. If the, while the gun is still pointed at uh, at Kanan, I think Theo uh, just walks up in front of her, right in front of her, just looming over this this fairly short woman, and says to her, "The only person I trust with that book is this boy right here. And if you try to do anything to him, to me, or to anyone else I love ever again, I will kill you." Okay, what's going on with Brandy? Because I think, I think make- we're doing it. We're, we're trying to get the show ready because we've got to lighten the mood. So there's a tap dance routine going on currently. <laughs> sort of a choreo yes, comic break. Relief. Here we go. Brandy is terrified seeing Baneri run straight for the Gyarados and getting the Gyarados's attention. Baneri is holding steadfast with the Gyarados still approaching, having aquatailed the Togekiss. The Gyarados's attention is now brought straight back onto the Baneri, and it's going in for some kind of bite attack. So I think, yeah, Baneri doesn't look at Brandy and just throws the cone back 
and it sort of the cone catches the wind and Brandy catches the cone again, but it sort of just sees the back of Wimpy facing down the Gyarados and feels like Wimpy wants to do some damage here. And I think Brandy then decides to trust Wimpy in the moment and say, Oi, Wimpy, let's just, just destroy this thing. Let's just get this done. Bernieri. I trust you, Wimpy. And that's it. Okay, just let let Wimpy do do. Yeah, mate, let's see a tiny bunny take on a mega dragon. <laughs> okay. I can't see any way this is going to go badly. A very well, similar experience to the... Uh, to the high dragon. Yeah, very experience. I know exactly what you mean. And I think Beniri is going to try and use experience to time the jump and the flip and pound down on the Gyarados's head. So you're rolling kicks and frost lass. For a pound. I am indeed. Okay. I am indeed. Beniri, I've boosted Beniri. Boosted Beniri. a couple of level ups, so he's got plus two to his attack. Here we go. Absolutely. Yes. Beniri is not playing around. Beniri, let's just remember, got one-shotted in the gym battle. So Beniri has a point to prove today. And Beniri, having rolled a four plus five plus a two... That's rolled an 11. Mega Gyarados didn't deal any damage back to Baneri at all. Nope, nope. This Mega Gyarados, much like the dragons we've seen, is a cocky, arrogant fool when <laughs> up against this bunny. Tom, have, have we realised that Wimpy is basically useless against everything other than monstrous dragons? I think so. I think we've finally found his sort of super effective. He's a big game player. Normal, yeah, normal, type, player. normal type isn't effective against anything. <laughs> Except for arrogance. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's work out the damage. Wimpy is a stage one, so plus one, but Megagyarus is a stage three, so that's minus two. So so you're you're starting on minus one damage. So yes, so roll your d4 with a minus one. (laughs) I rolled a two. I rolled a two and a minus one. And you know what? I think Beniri's... Beniri, the the Gyarados comes in, Beniri jumps, flips and pounds with all his strength into the head of the Gyarados. And Beniri is very proud of this shot, but almost Gyarados just then rises up again, bigger than before. <sighs> looming over Beniri. And then Beniri tries to do that thing of like, bun, 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 saying, hey man, I mean, I didn't mean it, you know, it's just, I was a just kidding around. Like, whatever, yeah. like, it's totally it's cool. Just a prank, bro. But um, Beniri's still done a damage point. Mark it down, Stu. I will mark it mark down. It down. I will mark it down. Yeah, I'm, sure, I it's say not the Togekiss is six or whatever. Mega Gyarados is still up. So you've done one point of damage, and Elisa starts to move her hands. And this foggy nonsense... Foggy nonsense? No, that's terrible. No, go to this. Foggy nonsense. What does foggy nonsense do? Oh, don't make me know. <laughs> <laughs> I love foggy nonsense as an attack name. Okay, in fact, Elisa so cries it out. She's like, foggy nonsense! <laughs> And you see her <laughs> arms move in this crazy fog-like arc and the battlefield fills with a haze which is obscuring the view of everyone within it. Which basically means that from this point on, the Gyarados has lost a, a chunk of HP, so Elisa is activating uh, some of her powers which will give everyone a minus one to all their rolls when attacking the Mega Gyarados. Oh, second form final boss. I love this. So what you're saying is, Stu, mm, Veneri took down the first form of Gyarados without well, much help. Togekiss did... Yeah, Togekiss didn't do anything, really. Well, Water Blight Gyarados has really, uh, really <laughs> suffered here. Beloved, 
We are gathered here today to mourn the various plot points that Stuart Clark has dropped over the years. He is not here to see his plot points dead in the ground. I remember I remember that lovely plot point he had. I think it was called something about midsection. Do you remember oh. it? Do you guys remember that midsection that he dropped? I oh, I loved it. Absolutely how, loved it. How did that midsection go again? I can't remember. My Can question you? is, why are all all these dead plot points have northern relations? It's wonderful. <laughs> I don't know. It's my go-to. <laughs> Lovely. They've all come down to London. <laughs> They've all kind of met their fortune to make their big plot, to make their big We're going to see Wicked tonight. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make our big bid to be the main point of a campaign, and they just didn't make it. Hi. Welcome to the midsection. Peach from the Discord. Gabby, oh, Peach! But Peach, we know you as Peach. Kailani Nimue, age 32. A lowland region scientist who has taken it upon herself to keep the Pokemon of the sea safe from harm. Her home and research centre is located on a small island off the coast of a larger city where many water Pokemon come to migrate and lay their eggs throughout the year. Uh, she also has the equipment to help Pokemon in need of healing on their journey. Because of this, Kailani, or Kai, has befriended many Pokemon through the years, but the one who has seemed to stick around and become her Pokemon partner is a single Slowpoke, who she's named Captain. Kailani is a tall, dark-skinned woman with muscular build, dark red hair and brown eyes, friendly, loud, excitable, and people tend to be put off by her larger appearance. <laughs> I guess the larger appearance is more musculature than it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she yeah, sounds yeah. she sounds right up Theo Street. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like her and the church would probably have... I mean, if she's, you know, looking after slowpokes, healing well, stuff. I was going to say, the slowpoke interests me a lot. We've already got an island location in the Archipelago Islands. So mm-hmm. I think that's where Kailani is based. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Captain the Slowpoke perhaps fleeing, possibly mm-hmm. a church, possibly some one of the Slowpokes who who didn't drink the Kool-Aid to a bit like the royal family. Someone who you imagine has wanted to escape desperately and just live a normal life. I so see is that this, as Captain. Is this Slowpoke is Harry and the and Kai is Megan. <laughs> I think so. But now I want to delve in a bit further as to like what happened to this Slowpoke? Yeah, I mean, we've never really talked about what the church do with Slowpokes beyond one that we have met in the Steam Eruption arc. Um, well, David, you, you had a good idea that they actually sometimes use Slowpoke for transmission, transmitting between mm. towers, how they communicate laws or, you know, the newsletter. <laughs> maybe it's uh, not, to, not to fit too much into the Pokemon PR machine, but maybe this Slowpoke was a, was a Galarian Slowpoke. And at first, everyone was like, great, another Slowpoke to add to the transmission system. And then not psychic, just a poisonous, hairless otter. And everyone was like, well, what do we do with this strange, strange prehistoric creature that can't communicate? It just bites us. Maybe somebody sold Galarian Slowpokes to the church because the church are always paying huge amounts of money for Slowpokes because they need them. And so somebody decided to swizz them by selling them a bunch of Galarian Slowpokes but painting over their yellow patch on their head. And so they sold the wall, suddenly wiped it off and everyone was like, ugh. And so they just like <laughs> flushed them out. And then but then also you have the problem that a foreign species wouldn't then be allowed to be flushed out. That would horribly ruin the ecosystem. So they were just trapped with all of these Galarian Slowpokes and they were like, what do we do? And so they just like dumped them on this remote island where also we happen to have found Kailani has set up a laboratory. I love that. I, I love that idea. I get, I get serious uh, Kukui vibes from, from Kailani, both in mm. the name and the sort of like beach laboratory ripped physique. I'm like darker skin. Oh, yeah. I definitely feel serious Kukui inspired. I, I 100% think that 
Kailani is also the archipelago for Islands Kahuna. Sure. <laughs> oh my god! So and nobody we understands a... what a Kahuna yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, they're, yeah, like, they're all the <laughs> they're all those gym leaders being like, "What are you doing? What what is a Kahuna?" Just doing one of those Orange Island trials where like everybody who comes to the island has to like carve an ice sculpture, and if they do, she gives them like a a ramshackle shell. She's found. She goes up to random people being like, "Spot the difference between the salandit." <laughs> yes. Let's think, Kailani. She's an Alola region scientist, so she's obviously come to Formia. Oh, because water Pokemon come to this island to lay their eggs. So she's an egg specialist. Maybe there's like a, a some sort of water Pokemon that produces its normal species on one place and a Formian variant whenever it lays its eggs on this particular island. And she's come to set up here. Maybe then those eggs are being feasted on by Galarian Slowpokes, who also happen to be here. It's just like a weird microcosmic journey into the world of immigration. I, love I do this. love the I do love the idea of the Archipelago Islands almost being a gateway between Formia and other regions. Less so that they're kind of confined to one area. More maybe they almost like go around Formia to an extent. Maybe not the whole mm. way. Like the sort of Great Barrier Reef takes up such a long space around Australia that perhaps the islands do the same for um for yeah. Formia. And I definitely like the idea that the island itself is a place where if pokemon come there are galarian kantoian jotian yeah. um, and they lay their eggs on this island they actually have a formian variant so kailani actually has a store of eggs that are not hatched yet but that she knows will probably become a formian variant so you've got a torkoal fire flying um, yeah. and she's sort of doing research a vespa there. king as we've as we've alluded yeah. to oh yes or alternatively vespa jester Vespigest. Vespigesta! Vespigesta. And it's just... Vespigesta. That is... Vespigesta. I want to see fan art of that so bad. Oh, God. <laughs> well, um, Gabby, Peach, thank you so much for sending in that character. I kind of desperately want to pack the whole campaign up and just head to the Archipelago Islands and find out mm. what Formian variants Ailani has, has been keeping a hold of and studying. But yeah, thanks so much. Right, okay. well, well, we heard, we, we, we heard your midsection. I'm quite impressed, but we're going to have to call you back for recalls before we make a final decision. How dare you, sir? They're all in the ground. They can't come back for more. Unless I'm not quite sure more. at which point this went from Stuart Clark's funeral to, <laughs> to an, an audition. audition. <laughs> but it <laughs> happened, and we're rolling with it. Is there a more keeping tribute to the man we love than turning his very wake into an audition for a show we've not We've had far too much fun without Stu, without Stu <laughs> reining us in. <laughs> All of these plot points now want to audition for Yorick's gym. <laughs> Get back, plot points. You're gone. You're gone from Stuart Clark's brain. That was the ultimate plot brain. point of all. <laughs> what happens when four DMs who never get a chance to play become friends? Well, they all take turns DMing for each other in their own stories. Cameron from the Coventry Podcast, Rich and Cam from Filling in the Gaps, and the one and only Adam from the Roaring Trainers have joined forces to start the DM's Treehouse. Join us up in the Treehouse for Pokeworld, a game run by Adam where the players play as Pokemon, The West, a game run by Cam, which is a cowboy-style game set in an alternate timeline world, The Ascent, a traditional D&D game run by myself, Rich, and Heritage, a teenage superhero game run by Cameron that will make you feel like never before. At the end of the day, we're four great friends and great DMs having a good time. And we hope you guys will too. You can join us up in the treehouse by finding us on Twitter, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you find podcasts by searching The DM's Treehouse.
it's Gyarados. What's going on with Kenny? You are still back against the railings, clutching the tome with Swirly by your side? Kenny has an idea, and Stuke, I would like to check a place out for Ooh, something. Okay, great. Amongst all of these these artifacts. Love that. And also, Kenny has a move called Weird Insight. When I would roll sharp, which you normally do for check a place out, instead he rolls weird. Great. So I'm going to roll to find this. And in fact, I like the idea of the fog descending and Kenny just closing his eyes and sensing you know, in groping the fog. around. Or yeah, okay, yeah cool, exactly. Cool. He, he looks at Swirly and Swirly in its sort of babyish eyes looks down at the tome and then looks back at Kenny. And Kenny realises that this is all over that tome. If they don't have that tome, they're not in danger. So Kenny's idea is to try to trick people into thinking that Kenny is no longer going to have the tome. So... Kenny is looking for some some sort of artifact that looks like the tome, like another book. Okay, great. So roll plus weird. You hear, you hear Brandy say, um, it's all right, we'll just take on Mega Garrodus by ourselves. No, you guys, you keep doing your thing over there. Togekiss just You literally did one dab. You what basically, you... you just tickled the Garrodus's face. <laughs> you, you're, you're standing over there closing your eyes. I can even see it in the haze. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh. That is a three and a six plus two. Kenny finds a book. I think you do. I think you absolutely do. So <laughs> it's probably not even that difficult to find Kenny. I mean, amongst the various detritus that was being transported by the church, there is definitely uh, a certain crate that was transporting certain censored books. David, what is it about the book that Kenny finds that makes it comparable to the tome? Uh, it is so... the other tome. <laughs> 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 Nobody will suspect it's here. <laughs> ah, the old double bluff, the old scarlet letter. So the church does a roaring trade in church-based merchandise. And one of the forms of merchandise that is very popular, particularly amongst nerdy young children in uh, in small seaside towns, is replicas of the tome as just a notebook. Uh, a tome book, That's a so note good. tome, I don't know. And it's just, it's so perfectly made. that it is, It's actually quite sad that even for a second, I think Kenny is like, Am I saying double? Great. So maybe there's actually quite a few of them in there. It was a stock, a stock clearance. Um, <laughs> but Kenny, yes, this is what you see. And I think with your, with your full success, right, you okay. can do what you were planning to do. Kenny goes, yes. And he swaps the book. He puts the tome in, hidden in fog as well. So no one even sees him doing no it. No one even sees he puts it. puts the tome in. He, I'm using Elise's weather against her. Oh, yeah. He puts the tome in this crate, brings out Bowtie, the Dartrix. And says, Bowtie, you take this, you fly as far as you can, and before anyone comes at you with any danger, you drop it. You throw it as far away from this airship as you can, but you keep yourself safe. And don't leave my sight, okay? Go. Go, Bowtie. Da tricks, da tricks. And, and as Bowtie flies away, Kenny screams as loud as he can, You want this, Tom? Well, go and get it! The 
you're sending Bowtie the Dartrix away with the fake tome to get Elisa to follow. Well, and hopefully Mrs. W as well. Gotcha. Um, I guess roll... <sighs> manipulate? Yes, so. Yeah? Bradley says, oh, great, yes, Dartrix, a grass type against the water type. <laughs> Dartrix <laughs> can really do something against the Gyarados. Wait. Bowtie! Bowtie! As far away as it can. <laughs> Straight past. <laughs> All right, okay, so Kenny is a plus one to charm, which is what's needed for manipulate someone. Oh! Oh, oh it's a six oh, more! It's another 11! Oh my yes. goodness! Oh, those are two spicy rolls! Four and a six plus one, so that's 11. Bowtie the Dartrix is zooming off just away from the ship. What was the direction yep, that Bowtie was heading? I just told it to fly as far, as far away from Mrs. W and Gyarados. Okay, so she is... obviously as, as fast as it can go, so... She is gone, and I think with that full success, Elisa hears your cry and falls for the bait, follows Bowtie the Dartrix off into the, the fog off the side of the ship, away from Wimpy the Baneri, who has so far dodged all damage. Mrs. W as well sees... Kenny launched this tome into the air, drops Kanan and goes to dash towards Templar Prime. Theo, what do you do? To Theo, this is a betrayal utmost and most contemptible by Kenny. I mean, this is because Theo <laughs> missed the entire thing. And Theo was already in a state of just feeling like, well, I can trust absolutely nobody. I've lost even my friends in this moment. So I think Theo just looks at Kenny and is like, I, I, have, to, I have to believe that you did this for a good reason. Theo doesn't say anything. Theo just, just shakes their head. But Theo then looks back at Mrs. W, who is distracted, running back to Templar Prime. And then Theo looks at Kanan, passed out at their feet, and is like, I'm also very peeved in this situation, because you, you gender-neutral person, you have really cheesed me off in the last couple of... I'm sorry. <laughs> I, what's it? Why? Sorry is not going to... I can't... Cut it! It's not oh. going to cut it! Oh! Um... And I think Theo is just like, I'm not going to bother with any of these deceptive people I've given my love and trust to at any point, and sees Mrs. W is distracted, and just... I think Theo's going to pull out a cypher sword and just go after Mrs. W. Duel! (laughs) Duel on the ship! (laughs) Okay, great. Brandy, you've seen the Gyarados and Elisa fly off towards the front of the ship, past the glass map towards the the weather-based pre-marina prow where Dartrix has flown. Uh, You and Wimpy temporarily are not within anyone's crosshairs, but what do you do in this moment? I think, first of all, there's a celebration. (laughs) Beniri is like, yeah, you better run! Brandy says as well, oh, I see, couldn't handle being Beniri, that's what I thought! And then she sees, at the corner of her eye, Oh my god, Melissa! Oh yeah! I didn't know you were here! Oh god, that's great! Ah. And yeah. she says hello to Melissa. Brandy, like, it's, it, yeah, it is, it's something to see you. I'm not sure right now is the time for, you know, reunions and stuff. Um, listen, I'm sorry, I'm sorry about what happened back in the, the, the passage car with the, the, the poker powers and everything. You know what? Melissa, I just thought if you would understand what with, you know, your brother's situation, that, you know, people with poker powers, they're not all bad, okay? I think, listen, I wasn't a great friend with you, and maybe I've also not been that attentive as a sister, but I, you're right, Brandy, I see something different in my brother, and it's scary, and I don't understand it. Melissa, whatever you just said, I'm sure that was great, I was truly thinking of a plan, 
So you. <laughs> oh right, you're trying to use me. I'm a I'm a pawn in your in your games. Is that? Well, is that let's how just it is? remember that you let me get destroyed by a Wait, person with Pokemon do you know what? powers. I'm starting to remember why we head. maybe lost touch a little bit, Brandy. I let what? <laughs> I let you. Why we lost touch was because you kissed Gary by the bike sheds, what? and you know he said it was your fault, and I believed him. Kalandi, Kalandi, no, no, that's not true. It was Kalandi who did that. I just pinched his bum a little bit. Just oh, to... that's outrageous! That's outrageous. Look, but it I was need through you the do... jeans. It's this is not. That's the... not what Gary said. Gary said. Gary what? said Wait, it was what did Gary say? Oh boy! All right, he is a scumbag. Where is he? Where he is, is he? He's just—he's over there. He's in the haze. Don't worry about it. Gary in the corner just does a thumbs up from an unconscious <laughs> position. <laughs> he just puts an, a hand up for an, uh, a high five that will never come. And the, the cloud, yeah. Cloud. <laughs> Gravity's like yeah. <laughs> um, Side of the ship high fives themselves and just get splintered all over themselves. Right, I've come full circle, Barney. What? What are we? What are we doing? Okay, we're going to try and take control of the ship properly. We've got this this guy here, right? Right. I'm okay. looking at Tyronius Chunder, the Crawdock Clawed first mate of Team Nautilus. I'm thinking you need to wake this guy up and get him to drive this ship as far away as we can. Let's try and go in the reverse direction to wherever Mega Gyarados has gone. Can All you right. do that? Okay, wake him up. Maybe not wake him up. I'm thinking put his hands in the hand thing up there. Okay. I so, And I think at that moment... Krakenor, help me out here. Brandy sees Brandy. Theo through the haze. Grab one of the cipher swords and look very un-Theo like. Oh my god, the, the, Theo's hair is just drenched in the rain. Their clothes are barely cling- clinging to them. The the sleeve has fallen off their left shoulder. It absolutely does not look like regular Theo. There is a darkness in those eyes. Okay, yeah, and I think Brandy then looks to Melissa and says, "All right, uh, uh, just uh, do your best, okay?" I, I... No, sure, you can and count Brandy, on me, Brandy. And then Brandy just runs. Brandy just runs, runs towards trying to catch up to Theo and Mrs. W. Brandy, you are running through this haze, through this fog, to this alien-looking Theo, who was drawn a scyther cutlass from a barrel. Ali, would you like to do the uh, the noise of it being drawn? Something like a... Wasn't it something like a... Shadoom, but I'm going to give it a new noise. Cool. That is better. Oh, no, very cool. We're not at the start of the episode anymore, guys. Okay. This so is you, the finale. You, th- you hear that scythe as Theo draws this sword from a barrel and it's almost just kind of dragging it along the floor. It's like this <laughs> heading straight towards Mrs. W who seems to be doing something with Templar Prime. What do you do? Uh, I run to catch up with Theo and I say, Theo, Theo, what are you doing? Theo, come on, we've got to go. I'm so tired. So tired of what? What? We're, we're winning this. The Mega Gyarados has run off. I'm so tired of everybody being against us. I mean, Theo, that's a thought of all people. You'd know about people being against you. Everyone's against us. The world's always against us. No matter any time we try and do anything, everyone's against stuff. But you know, I'm not against you, right? Kenny's not against you. Kanan's not against you. Theo Theo wants to agree with Brandy. But but having seen what Kenny and, and Kanan have done in the last hour, Theo just looks at Brandy and is like, she killed... Hillary, 
She killed Hillary. You saw her do it. I need to hurt her back. We can't keep being hurt and never returning it. We can't just keep being good people. Being good people does nothing. I'm so tired of trying to be good. Theo, what are you saying? Look, I know, I know that this is that she she killed Hillary, and that's that is unforgivable. But this isn't the way to do it. You're holding a sword, Theo. Look at yourself. This isn't the Theo I know. The reason, the logic, the the being calm. The, we can take her to the Pokemon League. Let's capture her then. Let's find a way to to bring her to justice that way. And what do we do when we take her back to the Pokemon League, Brandy? Another organisation that's full of people who just want to take control and leave us all swilling in the dust, just like the church used to do to me. I am bored of relying on people in responsibility who don't have our best interests at heart. Look at all of these organisations that just want to destroy us when we're trying to do the right thing. You just want to be a Pokemon champion. I just want to find the King's Rock. And yet we are being forced into situations in which people die in front of us. Somebody died in front of you, Brandy, literally days ago, and you haven't expressed anything. Why aren't you angry? Theo, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I really look up to you. Yeah, I make jokes about how you can't battle. Yeah, I make jokes about how you sometimes are always on the fence. How you don't act when maybe I think you should act. But I really do admire you because you know what, Theo? You and Kenny are the best people that I've met just ever in my life. I've been around people who are only in it for themselves. Who only want to do what is in their own self-interest. Gary Smoke, what did he want to do? Become the Pokemon champion. He became that. And then what did he want to do? Just have fun. What did all the Chili's want to do? Kalandi, Mandy, they just wanted to have fun. They just wanted to be a hanger-on. And they didn't care who they hurt on the way. But that's what makes you and Kenny different, is that you do care. You do care about who you hurt along the way. And that's why we try and not hurt people along the way. Doesn't that make sense to you? That's why I've been hanging out with you this whole time, is because I thought you understood that more than anyone. That actually, it's not about just pursuing your goal to the to, to the end regardless. It's about doing it the right way. It's about doing it a way that you can bring as many people with you as possible. And look, we know we're up against a war. We know we're up against 3,000 organisations. Team Nautilus, Team Mystic, Team Helsing, the church. But we could still do this together. We're a team. Isn't that what this is about? At that moment, Theo, you see you see Templar Prime has undergone some kind of transformation. It's very clear now that there is a significant part of them that is inorganic and uh, human-built, and they have basically sprouted some kind of wings, and it looks like Mrs. W is climbing on their back, and they are about to jump off the side of the ship, seemingly to take off. Brandy is standing in front of you, delivering this impassioned speech, but what do you do, Theo? I think Brandy's words speak to Theo, fundamentally. And then Theo looks at the sword, looks at Mrs. W, thinks of all the people that have been hurt and doesn't want to add anybody else. But Theo turns to Brandy and there's clear pain in their expression. And Theo turns to her and says, if we let her get away now, we're only going to have to do this again sometime down the line. But you're right. You're right. I hate the fact that you're right. And then Theo drops the sword. Clang, 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 clang. Theo, Scythe. Shut up, Scythe the sword. (laughs) Safe? Theo, there's always a deal on nest balls at Whiskey's Delios. That's what Scyther means to me. Life is a better deal than death. That's the Whiskey's Delios motto. And in this moment, you're right. You're always right, Theo. But don't tell Kenny I said that to you. Kenny, I think Kenny enjoys that we have this back and forth, you know? I, I, I wouldn't want to ruin that for Kenny. Are you guys bickering again? You know it, Kenny. No, no, we're not. No, we're not. No. Now let's stop this flying robot man. Let's cut. <laughs> 
Let's cut to how's Melissa done in terms of steering the ship? Should we should we roll for Melissa or Yeah. Okay. Go on, Stu, you never roll. I wanna roll yeah. for Melissa. Stu, you roll. Okay. Melissa. Oh, she's is plus there. three at whatever you ask her to be, by the way. <laughs> plus plus three at everything, actually, I think. Is Melissa, she? Wow. Melissa's a legend. She's better than Tucker in... Kiss. Um <laughs> it's a, it's a five plus a three, so it's an eight. So a mixed success feels right in this in this actually. So not bad for your first roll, Stu. Thank you very much. So Melissa and Croconor who is holding the majority of the weight, have lifted Taronius Chunder in his unconscious state over to the helm of the ship and have, looking at this weird poker-powered driving apparatus, inserted his claw into one indentation, his hand into another, have twisted and fiddled around the knobs a little bit, and have managed to get the ship working. And the jet engines that Tom added to the ship earlier on start to activate. And with the additional call for power you see the pre-marina horns start to call thunder down. It's a terrifying sight at the front of this ship as it now seems to be led by lightning, almost like a, a lead reaching off into the heavens, being pulled by some unseen god. And Melissa is attempting to pilot this ship, but her and Croconor, Croconor, finding it very difficult trying to steer the ship using Taronius Chunder's unconscious body. And it's very clear that they're not in total control, even though the ship is moving forward. Now, in front of the ship, flying after Bowtie the Dartrix, is Elisa on top of the Mega Gyarados, and now Mrs. W on top of Templar Prime, who has activated some kind of flying form. Their steel balls flying out behind them, clanking in the wind and the rain. Kenny, what have you been doing in the midst of all of this? Kenny has been panicking. No surprise there. Kenny has been (laughs) panicking that he's just sent one of his best friends into quite significant danger. And Kenny remembers back to earlier in the arc and earlier in Rautuno Forest a few days ago where he was able to, in a sense, see through Dartrix's eyes and control them uh, back when they were still a Rowlet. So Kenny is going to use some poker powers in an attempt Ooh, okay, to, great. In, to, to ensure that... It, Dartrix is not alone. Exactly. Love it, love it. Okay, great. Let's roll. Okay, so Kenny is a plus two. It's a weird. Here we go. <laughs> oh my... Kenny's Hill. rolling today. Rolls. It's a mm. five and a five plus a two, baby. Ooh, that hits different. That is Ooh. a 12. That's not, even, that's not even just a full success. That is a 12. So Ali, you get the reins. Here they are. Thank you, Stu. I'll just take those reins. Let me just attach them to my Dartrix that I'm now piloting. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, back on the ship, knows what's coming, uh, grabs onto the side so they're nice, and, so he's nice and stable and his eyes go black. He opens them again. He can feel the wings. He can feel the weight of the book. And for the first time, he, he feels Dartrix. He feels Bowtie there as well. And it's somewhat comforting to the pair of them. They know that they are doing this together. So Kenny knows what he wants to Dartrix to do, but Dartrix knows what Dartrix is best at, so he's going to interpret it in the best way she can. Dartrix sees this Mega Gyarados flying towards her. She launches up into the air as high as she can and creates the move Whirlwind, and 
as she sort of built up enough momentum, she lets go of this book and it flies as far as it can. And the mega gyrodos nearing her starts to get caught in this whirlwind. And when it leaves the whirlwind, it just sees the book flying and dives down for it. As it dives, Dartrix conjures up some razor leaf type attack. And in that moment, Elisa, I think, turns back to the Dartrix and notices a visage around the Dartrix. And I think Kenny says in his head, your father misses you, Elisa. He wants you back. Who said that? Hello, I'm Kenneth Mullet. <laughs> uh, I'm like you. I'm poker-powered and proud, but I'm trying to use my powers for good. Proud? You're proud yes. of, of, what, of what we are? I am. I wasn't for a very long time, but I'm proud of me. Kenneth. Not necessarily proud of the powers, because I can't control them. I can't control them like you can, but I can control my actions. I can't. I'm proud of my actions. I can't control them, Kenneth Mullet. I'm fighting it every day, and I'm tired. I'm desperate to increase the power. Why? Because people will exploit us, Kenneth. People will always exploit us. You may think you have friends, you may think you have allies, but you don't. You have people who will use you. And the only way we can stop being used is to be on top. The woman who unlocked my powers, she she used me and discarded me. And now I fight against them every day and it hurts, Kenneth. It hurts. That is why I'm that is why I'm after this tome. So that I can properly control them and I can stop people exploiting people like us, Kenneth. You see? That is why. Because they always will and there is no way of stopping them. Well, Elisa, I don't know what happened to your weak R, but I do know what can happen if you choose the right move. You don't have to think too far in the future. You can just ask yourself, what's the next right step? Because we haven't been cursed, Elisa. We've been we've been given a gift. We just need to learn how to harness it. This woman, this mysterious woman who I, I sort of might have an inkling as to who I know who that is, she isn't in it to help you. She isn't in it to help anyone but herself. But some people are. Those people on that ship, my friends... Brandy and Theo, they're helping me. I've made bad decisions, but everything can be forgiven and overturned. You know one person who won't use you? Your father. And another person? Your sister. Kenny, I feel like we should roll. Yeah, for, for the listeners, that all happened in the space of a millisecond. Yeah, 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 just, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Literally instantaneous. Okay, roll plus charm for me. That's a plus one to charm. It's a three and a four plus a one. So a mixed so it's an success. Eight. Prove that you mean it, I guess. Kenny, as you finish this speech, you feel yourself pulled from Dartrix's cognitive space into Elisa's, into her mind palace. It's a chaotic place. It's a place of conflict mm. where your mind palace has had creepy elements and moments of panic. And the same with Andros's, had that lonely feeling. This one just feels like it's at war with itself. And you see Elisa combating, wrestling, I think with a cast form. I think there's a cast form in there. It feels like the only Pokemon that would make sense for her with her weather-based powers. And I think you see on all the walls around you there are these black and white eyes, almost like unknown eyes, just watching on, and these black tendrils pulling at Elisa in the cast form. And it's it's a place of stress and a place of real angst, and you can see this figure of Elisa. She looks much smaller, much more haggard, and on the verge of being broken. 
when Frey did unlock her powers in this way, it seems to have set off this eternal struggle which is really breaking her and eating her up from the inside. So much so that she probably doesn't even notice that you've entered the Mind Palace. But Kenny, what do you do in there? I walk up to her, I put a hand on her shoulder, and I say, I know this place. Moi Mind Palace used to be not dissimilar to this. Do you know what helped? What? I thought of my sister. I conjured up my favourite memory of my sister, and she helped control it. I want you to think of your father. Will you help? I'm here. And Elisa closes her eyes and allows her mind to channel this image of uh, Drunfisk from many years ago, pre-booze, a man who could speak, a man who could express his feelings. And you see this scene spread out around you, Kenny, as the traditional mind palace melts away and we're in Surfloat at... What was Drunfisk's shop called before, before the alcohol problem? Was it like a fine wines? Really like. I think it was a fine wine. So I actually think it was a kind of intellectual club. They sold booze, but it was more like they would also sell books. It's the know, place the church from the church. If they wanted, yeah, if they if they wanted a night out, but it's actually just <laughs> sitting somewhere else reading. Soft jazz, meow to meow, playing constantly on loop. <laughs> and Drumfisk has just finished hosting some kind of event for the church and is packing away. And Elisa is playing out in the garden with her sister Gertie. They're playing tag and I think she reaches out for Gertie and accidentally conjures uh, a small gust of wind that knocks Gertie over and she scrapes her knee slightly and is crying and Elisa as the younger sister feels terrible runs into her father afraid unable to explain what's happened and her father just hugs her and comforts her. Together we'll get through this and he squeezes her and holds her tight and in that moment the mind palace starts to become warmer and gentler and the black tendrils relinquish their grasp over Elisa and the cast form and the the black eyes start to close and blink downwards and the whole place takes on an air of serenity that was not there before and Kenny you're back out of the mind palace I don't think I'm back in Dartrix either I think no I'm I think you're back in, in Kenny Kenny and I think the weather is just starting to to break and Kenny as you return to your human form There's just a break in the clouds and a glimpse of sunlight that shines down on you, Kenny. Meanwhile, Mrs. W and Templar Prime have chased after the fake tome that Bowtie the Dartrix had hurled off, uh, caught it in midair, and Mrs. W has very quickly identified that this is a mere notebook, a blank, a fake, and in her rage has wheeled around and is flying back towards the ship on Templar Prime's back towards the centre of the deck where Theo and Brandy, pretty much everyone, is now clustered. Uh, Melissa is desperately trying to steer the ship with Croconaw and Terenius Chunder, but still having significant difficulty. Theo, Kenny, Brandy, you're all together. What do you do? I think we might be one villain down. Oh, well, well done, oh. Kenny. Oh, yeah, that's, um, that's top by, the way, by the way, super, that's not the real Tom. The real Tom's in that crate behind us. It was all a ploy. Oh. Oh. So I haven't Kenny. been deceived by everybody I've ever known and, lo- I mean, uh, met. Known and, known and met. 
No, no sign did of affection. Just, did you just say uh, what I thought you did? You need to say what no. I thought you said. Listen, you, I, I've just moved from say... from sociopathic hatred of all human beings to to mild displeasure, and it, it overcame me. Um, uh, <laughs> nobody helped me in that. I didn't have any assistance didn't, from anyone. They didn't say love. They didn't say love, Kenny. Theo's not capable of love. We know this about we know this about Theo. You two have such banter. I bet you never have an emotional moment. Never. Slow king for bit. Theo leans into Brandy and just goes, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to say it, Stu. I want to increase a bond That's fair. on the bond chart yeah, with that Theo is fair. right now. Absolutely do that. Doing it mentally. It's <clears> done. <throat> right. So the flying robot woman. Gang, I'm worried, but I feel like we can solve this together. Kenny, you're always positive, And that's something that I feel like I don't appreciate all the time. So I want to say it right now. When facing a giant robot thing with this other crazy church lady astride it, I really feel genuinely comforted. And I really do think with the three of us at this very moment, we can face anything again and again and again. Theo, no matter how many times they keep coming, I just feel like the three of us can do it. And then I think Wimpy stands up onto the bow of the ship facing the oncoming church Templar. Kenny sees Dartrix swoop back into sight and land next to Wimpy and thrust out her wings and goes, well said, Brandy. And uh, Meditite, who's been knocking about the ship for a bit, runs up to... I mean, Meditite, since, since the last episode, has just been having a pretty chill time watching Theo slowly collapse into a mental state of depression. But I think Theo looks at their two friends and is worried that once again, it's going to be another Pyrrhic victory. We're going to win and there's going to be so many sacrifices. And then looks to Brandy, who gives Theo a nod, feels an elbow in their sort of knee area and sees Meditite down below, who gives a nod. Theo nods and Meditite leaps up onto the prow of the ship with Baneri and with Dartrix and Theo goes you're right I think it's about time that we have a clean win for once gang the epic finale of sky attack it, it, it is still not finished it's um we're part two of our trilogy for the finale we, we ah, there's a lot to wrap up you know we had nautilus we had the church we had the tome we had the gyarados we had our own inner demons I, it, it, forgive us forgive us that was a long episode so i'm going to try to make this outro as brief as possible but i can't not thank our amazing, amazing patrons. So here they are, people who have dedicated their money to supporting our show and for which we are so, so, so grateful. So our patrons list at time of recording is thank you so, so much to Jonah Jackson, to Trigula, to Josh Anderson, to Alchemage, to Cesar Trevino, to Force Major, to Haunted the Vagabond, to GGT, to Crandon Creations, to Eric Eichinger, Ikinga, not sure. To Milamoy or Milamois, if they're French. To Ginny Voss. To Alistair Collinson. Great first name, by the way. To Greg Becker. To Kaiko Pin Cosplay. To Heike Lee. And to Joel Williams. 
You guys rock. If you want to become a patron of Critical Ditto, please head to patreon.com forward slash critical ditto. All information about what you receive, about how much you pay, about how to pay, about what a Patreon even is can be found there. Patreon.com forward slash critical ditto. And I just want to say something as well. Obviously, we love our patrons, but we also absolutely love all of our listeners. You know, doing this show gives us all so, so much joy. And you don't have to be a patron for us to love you. You don't even have to interact. You don't have to give fan art. Obviously, all of that is so appreciated and so loved by me, Stu, Tom and David. But I can't tell you how rich it feels and how lucky I feel to create something I'm proud of and I like and I think is good and for other people to respond to that in a positive way. There is no greater honour than just having people listen to this show and enjoy it. Um, Doing something you're proud of and having people respond positively to it, that's the greatest feeling of all, whether you're a patron or not. So please never feel obligated or that we love you any less. Because we do. Anyway... Got all soppy for a second. Thank you so much to Michael Sands, the creator of RPG Monster of the Week, the TTRPG that we have hacked for this show. Please check out our Discord for more details, as on there we've uploaded unfinished documents that explain our system in more detail. Thank you also to the wonderful YouTube channel of Glitch X City and the fantastic Braxton Burks and the Material Collective for their albums Kanto Symphonies, Johto Legends and Time and Space. Thank you to the creators of Pokemon, Junichi Masuda and Satoshi Tajiri. Unfortunately for us, we are not affiliated with Game Freak, Nintendo or the Pokemon Company. We are not for profit and fan made. Thank you as always to my pals and yours, Stu, Tom and David. I thought this week I'd take a leaf out of other podcasts' books and include our Twitter handles for once. The handle for the podcast is at Critical Ditto. Stu can be found on at Stu Clark. David is at DJF Leavesley. I am found with at Alistair Hill 91. That's Alistair with an A. And Tom is at Brandy Buns because he's so in character all the time. He recently dyed his hair pink and can't stop arguing with technology. We're a little concerned. Please leave us a review on wherever you find your podcasts, follow us on Twitter at the aforementioned links, and or join our Discord. But until next time, folks, go and be the very best, like no one ever was. In other words, just be yourself. Seven. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot what came up to seven. <laughs>